Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in South Florida, it's time for South Florida Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of South Florida Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Diaz Trade Law, your customs expert. Today on South Florida Business Radio, we have Paola Bellata with Curava. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the air. Well, I'm excited. Nice I'm excited to learn about Curava Recycled Glass Services. How are you serving folks? I'm sorry, how, how are we, uh, sir? oh, we're serving folks. We, basically, what we do is uh, we're a manufacturer and uh, distributor of a particular type of surfacing product that's primarily used for um, for countertops, uh, any horizontal surfaces. And um, it's basically, the product consists of um, a, uh, a, a mix of a quartz and a polyester resin, and the majority of the content is actually um, recycled glass which we source from um, landfills. We source from uh, post-industrial sources that make uh, shower glass. We basically reincorporate uh, into the cycle, the system, uh, uh, waste that's been, that we sterilize ourselves. We sort uh, through color, through sizes, and we create uh, very interesting and, and beautiful surfaces that have a very, very unique uh, look. So we're kind of a niche market within the surfacing industry, but uh, we've been um, we've been doing this now for 12 years and uh, pretty much on a national level, uh, even though our, our main uh, our main market is actually our best market is actually uh, here in Florida, believe it or not. Um, but we're present mostly along the East Coast and a couple of areas uh, on the West Coast uh, and around the, the LA area and up in the Denver area as well in Colorado. But this, this seems to be our best market. Um, our product, uh, uh, actually has a very, it's very, uh, contemporary. So Florida has very contemporary trends as far as, um, kitchen cabinets and, and, uh, renovation. So it, it, it does very well, especially along the coast. So, um, how did you get, how did you get into this line of work? Were you always involved in this? I was always, yeah, I was always involved in the in the stone industry um, uh, since right out of college, and uh, it's a, it's a family owned business. But before this, we were actually um, uh, it's it's my brother and myself. We were actually mostly into natural stone, and we were only doing commercial projects, um, the, and particularly cladding, uh, veneer cladding, exterior veneers of of churches of of courthouses with with solid pieces of, of uh, whatever stone the architect specified. But that got to be a little bit uh, stressful uh, also because it's, it's different locations around the country. Then it became different different projects around the world, and it was a lot of traveling. So we I basically decided to kind of branch off and, and create one particular product and uh, just, just base here in the U.S. and, and in Florida. And so it uh, turned out to to work. So, but what? How did kind of recycled glass get on your radar to use as as part of this? It, it was just uh, we were just running. I was just running some experiments on on uh, my downtime, like on weekends, uh, about how to actually uh, create a surface that is a little bit different from 
the average quartz surface, which I'm not sure if, if the listeners are familiar with, but it's, it's an engineered stone. It's not a natural stone, but they have kind of, they, they mimic, uh, it's a way to mimic natural stone through uh, machinery, basically. It's, it's, it's um, made in, in factories. So I wanted to to be kind of in that that general field, but I wanted to create something that, that was very unique and it had a very unique look. And so in just testing it out, um, we tested it out in, uh, in cement before uh, just to get the look and, and it really appealed to me. And then I started showing it around to a lot of um, renovators and, and uh, kitchen and bath dealers. And it um, it basically got really good feedback. So we started uh, producing small batches, and it, it, it suddenly small batches became bigger batches, and, and now we we do quite a bit of volume around the country. We also have been working with one of the, the big uh, box stores, home improvement box stores, for for probably about ten years now. Now so that that's helped to to make awareness to create awareness for the the product. Are you the uh, only firm that that does it with recycled glass like this, or is that becoming now uh, more popular for other manufacturers? Uh, no, we're not the only firm. Uh, we've never been the only firm, but we we were the first firm to to make it with a certain type of um, of binder, which is incredibly resistant. Uh, but there were just a, a, a handful, uh, maybe ten years ago. Now. Actually, there are fewer, <laughs> believe it or not, because um, some of them haven't made it, and we kind of we kind of start we kind of grew um, and we filled that that spot. So I think there are are very local. There there are not as many. There's very few, maybe national uh, providers of this product, but there's probably more very localized um, shops that make this uh, probably custom. You know custom made for any particular project uh, or, 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 um, or need in the kitchen. But uh, as far as uh, the, the actual number has, has gone down as far as nationally available companies, is it diff- which, is, which is interesting. Is it difficult to get the recycled glass? I mean, is, is that something? Because that adds a new element to this, right? Yeah, well, the, the easy... The easy part is that there's never a shortage. Uh, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of recycled glass you know, out there. Just getting it right. There's a lot of glass that is in that's in landfills or they're in factories and they're just sitting there and they're basically waste. Um, obviously, it's not toxic. Thank goodness, it's not something that, that you know. It's it's something that can be reused as, as many times as possible. Glass can be um, you know melted and reused for other purposes. Or it can be just incorporated in this, but so it's it, to answer your question. No, it's it's not easy. The the part that's a little bit tricky is the obviously the sterilization and the the crushing and the filtering, which is we do that, and it's basically every slab of ours has exactly the same formula as far as different grains and different sizes of glass per color, so that. Every batch is exactly uniform, which is a big plus. Um, so every every slab, every color of ours looks basically the same, whether we produce it yesterday or two years ago, because it's exactly the same. We we control 
the glass sizes and the glass colors to, to the dot and, and they get uh, electronically um, uh, dosed for every slab. So now, to answer your question, that the, the actual, the actual um, the quantity that, that's available to recycle is, is almost infinite. Now, is it, um, you know, if I'm using this on my countertop, is this something that is going to, um, you know, is it going to stay in the way that it's looking? Or, like, does it stain easy? Does it chip? Like, are there, like, is the surface difficult to maintain? No, uh, not at all, actually. It, it's, it's very similar to um, any non-porous surface, uh, like an engineered stone, like a quartz. Uh, mainly because we use a binder that is, uh, that is non-porous. It's a polyester resin. The binder is basically, it's what keeps everything together. And it's not, it's a very small portion of the slab, but it's actually, it's the most important part because it, the quality of the binder determines how durable the, the surface is. And we use an extremely high quality binder. And, um, so nothing, nothing will stain it, uh, chipping. Not really, no. Uh, unless, obviously, you know, you do outrageous things like put a refrigerator on your <laughs> countertop, and maybe you may get a little chip. But, but no, for the most part, there's we don't have any of those issues. Now, um, in terms of sustainable products, I would imagine that this is attracting a certain customer. That this is a super important. Um, is have you found that to be so? Yes, it, it's actually been interesting because early on um, when we started, believe it or not, the, the people that were most attracted to our product were actually attracted by the look of it. And secondary uh, was the sustainability of it. But over the years, it's kind of reversed. I mean, people, I mean, I'm assuming they still like the look because it's an essential part, but they're more and more, I, I found more, more and more attracted to the fact that that we're, we're removing waste, we're making it usable, and we're and we're making it to create something that's aesthetically pleasing as well. And that's been interesting. I thought I thought that the sustainability factor would have been, you know, ninety nine percent of the decision of, of the of the buyers, but it wasn't initially. It's becoming more and more important now, especially right. on commercial projects. And especially, I mean, it, obviously, it looks so good. Um that being sustainable is like the cherry on top, right? Like it's it, it, sometimes, yeah. sometimes with sustainable products, you're like, Oh, well, at least it's sustainable. Like in this, the product looks fantastic and it's sustainable. Like you're getting the best of both worlds. Correct. Yeah. But the, fun, the funny thing is that, you know, the trend is that, Oh wow, the product is sustainable and it looks fantastic. <laughs> so, I think the emphasis is, is shifting a little bit more towards the sustainability part, which is actually what we really wanted because that's, that's basically what we're trying to push. Right now. When, um, when, and, uh, how was it at the beginning when you were trying to find the recycled glass? Was it something, cause you're taking other people's waste and then putting it into your product as kind of the featured element. Was this something that, that companies were like, yeah, take as much as you want? Like they were like happy to get rid of it and happy to use you as a resource to help them get rid of it? Um, or is- uh, For some, it, it's a great question, actually. And for some, it really uh, depends on the color of the glass. 
for for clear glass, for example, uh, there's such a big market. A lot of the clear glass we use is post-industrial for factories that make shower glass enclosures or et cetera. And, and um, in those cases, actually, their first there, there's a big market for remelting it and creating new plate glass. So in those cases, we actually have to we have to auction it. We have to we have to buy it. For certain other colors, um, they, it's actually it's like you're saying they are like, please, can you take can you take this this glass because we have we have way too many. Like uh, for example, they have, there's way too many beer bottles uh, in landfills. There's there's wine bottles, beer bottles, and, and other post industrial products for for deodorants and, and things like that. So it. It, it it depends mostly on on the, the color, but but um, so it's a bit of a mix, yeah. Now, how has the kind of the small business community been for you? Um, I guess you're in South Florida now, but you started. You said in the Northeast, is that right? Correct. Yeah, we started up uh, near Boston in uh, in New Hampshire. And then, uh, so had, can you share maybe the difference between the small business community and each, each locale? Uh, well, Florida is, is, uh, definitely more vibrant. I mean, even compared to Massachusetts, I mean, we were in New Hampshire, which is a lot, a lot less vibrant, uh, than here, but Florida, there's way um, more small businesses. And so most of our transactions, and our sales are to small business owners that actually cut up our material and install it for the final customer. And uh, it's actually been the feeling you the feeling you get is that it's it's so alive. And now and it's it's just becoming more and more alive because as we all know what's happening to the Florida population. It's increasing so fast. It's just there's there's always more and more going on, and there's there's small businesses popping up left and right that uh, that are related to our industry so it's it feels more lively and it's 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 definitely a happening market and it's feeling like it's going that direction faster and faster which is which is great because the more it goes in that direction the more we can sell the more glass we remove from landfills Right, it's a, it's kind of one of those righteous circles. Like at every stage, you know, you're winning. Uh, people are winning at every stage. That's fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's been honestly, Florida. Here, um, ten years in Florida, and it's been South Florida, and it's been. I, I love it. I love working here, and I, I really like. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, it's because it's a big state. Every little, every every area of Florida kind of has its own own market and its own type of small business and uh they're all good i mean i we've had i've had very few um, bad experiences and 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 i hope very few people have had bad experiences with us so now it's been it's been very good so primarily you sell to people who install it in consumers hands or can consumers get it Correct. right from you or they consumers can't get no, it from you they have to go through uh no consumers Consumers would get it from uh, from um, fabrication shops, they're called, uh, which are basically the companies that have the equipment to cut down our slabs, which are pretty pretty big, and and you know cut them down into a kitchen, do the, all the edging, and then they'll also install it 
uh, and the homeowners. So no, we, we don't sell directly to consumers. Now, any advice for business people out there that, um, are in the business of selling to kind of, uh, middlemen that they sell a product that a consumer is going to use, but it's going to go through a middleman. Is there anything you've learned over the years that helps kind of identify the good ones and how to, um, you know, create part win-win partnerships with, um, kind of, in your case, fabricators? Yeah, I think there's one main piece of advice um, is to that the middle entity, whether it's a business or an individual that that handles their product and resells it, properly educates the final consumer about the product, about the characteristics. That's that's essential because the more that they just describe in detail what what they're getting to the final consumer the the more streamlined the process is the expectations also of delivery the time frame of the installation it's i think it's key because uh when when people in the middle promise things that are not realistic sometimes it 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 fires back at at the people at well it hurts the consumer and then it fires back at the people that are making the product that were never really endorsed the 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 expectations of, of timing uh, that the middle people, uh, you know, promise their own customers. So I think it's an essential part, just the, 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 the openness and, and, the, and the education to the final consumer about what they're getting, when they're getting. And uh, sometimes that doesn't happen, but that's, that's who you know that it's some, someone you can work with in the future or, or not. Now, that seems to be one of those things when you are getting in business with, in your case, fabricators to real, because they're kind of, you, you want to protect your brand, right? And then you're trusting them to, like you said, communicate the truth and, um, you know, what re, what's realistic and manage the expectations of the end consumer. Um, to really have those lines of communication open uh, seems like uh, it could get tricky. Uh, do you have some um, kind of, can you share a story on how you were able to maybe build the relationship's trust in a way that that they, the fabricator was kind of, uh, kind of protecting your brand and telling the truth and uh, helping educate the consumer in the way that it would be as if you were doing that? Yeah, well, I think the the best. I, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, with with a, a particular fabricator, I, don't I mean, don't name any, any names, stories, but, I, but but right. no, no, no. I'm just thinking of if I could think of a specific instance. But sometimes it, it's to to have our salespeople travel with the the salespeople of the fabricator, or or actually be present initially on the first few jobs or uh, oh so or you do so that customer so you're really so your people are coming kind of along for the ride initially to help kind of that handoff be as smooth as possible so there are less miscommunications and there are kind of clear understandings of the correct yeah, yeah correct but i think the main tool that that uh, that we've learned to use is to on our website all of the information is available for the final, for everyone, for the fabricator, for the the homeowner. So it's all there and we encourage 
everyone to see it, what it's what our product is made of, um, the use and care, the warranty, the basically anything that's relevant. We it's it's very important, I think, for a small business to put everything out there so that there's just there's no way that people and um can misinterpret anything or can can not understand what the product looks like what the product feels like how it performs uh and i th- and that's been very very helpful so uh, post uh if there's any issues in general we've been very very proactive um in dealing then with with the final customer uh if there's any issue at all uh and then we because we want to we care about our name correct so from that moment on, we if there's any, we just take over and and um, we work with the final customer in educating them and assisting them. You know, many times it's much, it's just easier. Now you mentioned that fabricators are an important uh, part of your growth. Um, like, what is a fabricator who isn't aware of your brand right now? Why should they be? Like, what is something like? How would you pitch a fabricator that? maybe isn't you uh, carrying your brand right now? Well, simply because it's, it's a niche market of a, of a much larger product line. And however, this, this niche is, is growing fast and people are now becoming more and more aware in general about anything that's sustainable. I mean, we've seen that with, with, um, you know, with Tesla, I mean, now, now today compared to and five years ago, you see, I don't know how many times more Tesla's on the road. So it's just a trend that's happening. And it's something basically fabricators need to be convinced that this niche will become constantly bigger. And it's also a product where it's considered a, a not specialty, but again, a niche one. So they, they can also do well um installing it uh, both financially and just ethically and and so it, it, it it's something that is a little bit of a um i would say like a medium high uh priced final product not 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 too expensive but it's medium high and it's it's something that the fabricator can do well on well if somebody wants to learn more and get a hold of you or somebody on your team what is the website the website is our name, so it's Curava, C-U-R-A-V-A, dot com. Well, thank you. You'll see all the colors, you'll see how it's made, and you'll see everything you need to know. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. No, thank you for having me. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on South Florida Business Radio.